0: The Soul of a Dog by Colette. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Soul of a Dog. On arriving in Paris, the sergeant on leave found his mistress not at home. But he was all the same received with cries, tremblings of surprise and joy embraces wet with kisses. Verace, her shepherd-dog, the dog which he had confided to his young friend, enveloped him like a flame, and licked him with a tongue paled by emotion. The chambermaid, however, made as much noise as the dog, crying, "'What ill fortune! Madame is only at Marlotte for two days to close her home there!' madame's tenants have just gone madame is making an inventory of the furnishings happily it is not at the end of the world monsieur will write me a dispatch for madame if it is sent immediately madame will be here to-morrow morning before breakfast monsieur must sleep here does monsieur wish me to light the bath heater but i bathed at home lucy a soldier on leave always bathes he eyed in the glass his image, blue and red, the color of the Breton granite. The dog stood near him in devoted silence, trembling all over. He laughed to see her so like to himself, gray, blue, and crabbed. Verace. She raised to her master a look of love, and the sergeant was moved, thinking suddenly of his mistress, Jeanine, very young and very gay, a little too young, often too gay. They dined, the man and the dog, the latter faithful to the rules of their former life together, snapping up the bread, barking at command, so thoroughly trained that the hour of her master's return abolished for her months of absence. "'You have missed me,' he said softly. "'Yes, you also.' He was smoking now, half-extended on the divan. The dog, lying like the greyhounds sculptured on tombs, pretended to sleep and did not move her ears. Only her eyebrows, stirring at the least noise, betrayed her vigilance. The silence stupefied the overtired man, and his hand which held the cigarette slid along the cushion, scorching the silk. He aroused himself, opened a book, looked over several new knick-knacks, a photograph which he did not know, Jeanine in a short skirt with bare arms in the country. An amateur snapshot. She is charming. On the back of the unmounted proof, he read, June 5, 1916. I was... Where was I the 5th of June? Down here at Arras, 5th of June. I don't know the writing. HE SEATED HIMSELF AND WAS OVERCOME BY A SLEEP WHICH BANISHED ALL THOUGHT. TEN O'CLOCK STRUCK. HE SMILED ONCE MORE AT THE SOLEMN RICH SOUND OF THE LITTLE CLOCK, WHICH HAD, Janine SAID, A VOICE BIGGER THAN ITS BODY. TEN O'CLOCK SOUNDED AND THE DOG AROSE. HUSH, SAID THE DROWSY SERGEANT. LIE DOWN. BUT Verace DID NOT LIE DOWN AGAIN. She sneezed and stretched out her paws, which is equivalent for a dog to putting on one's hat to go out. She approached her master, and her yellow eyes asked clearly, "'Well?' "'Well,' he replied, "'what is the matter with you?' She dropped her ears while he spoke out of respect, then raised them again. "'Oh,' sighed the sergeant, "'you are a nuisance.' Are you thirsty? Do you want to go out? At the words, go out, Verace laughed and began to pant softly, showing her beautiful teeth and the fleshy petal of her tongue. Come, then, we will go out, but not for long. I am dying of sleep, you know. In the street, Verace, intoxicated, barked with the voice of a wolf, jumped as high as her master's neck, charged a cat, and ran in a circle like a belt-line railroad. Her master scolded her tenderly, and she showed off for him. Finally she regained seriousness and walked quietly. The sergeant enjoyed the warm night and followed the dog, murmuring two or three lazy thoughts. "'I shall see Janine tomorrow morning. I am going to sleep in a real bed. I have seven days still to spend here.' He saw that his dog, in advance of him, was waiting for him under a gas-jet, with the same air of impatience as before. Her eyes, her wagging tail, and all her body questioned, Well, are you coming? He rejoined her. She turned a corner at a little resolute trot. Then he understood that she was going somewhere. Perhaps, he said to himself, the chambermaid is in the habit of or Jeannine. He stopped a moment, then moved on again, following the dog, without observing that he had ceased, all at once, to be tired, to be sleepy, and to feel happy. He hastened his steps, and the joyful dog preceded him like a good guide. "'Go on, go on,' commanded the sergeant from time to time. He looked at the name of the street, then started on again." No passers-by, little light, pavilions, gardens. The excited dog came to play with his swinging hand, and he nearly struck her, feeling a savageness which he could not account for. Finally she stopped. Here we are, before an old rickety gate, which guarded the little garden of a small, well-built house, covered with vines, a shy little house and hidden. "'Well, open it,' said the dog, camped before the little wooden door. "'The sergeant raised his hand toward the latch and let it fall again. He leaned toward the dog, showed her with his finger a thread of light between the closed curtains, and asked her softly, "'Who is there, Jeanine?" The dog uttered a sharp, "'Hi!' and barked. "'Hush!' whispered the sergeant, closing with his hands the fresh, wet jaws. He extended once more a hesitating arm toward the door, and the dog jumped, but he held her back by the collar and dragged her to another path, from which he contemplated the unknown house, the thread of rosy light. He seated himself on the path beside the dog. He had not yet realized the pictures nor the thoughts which sprung up about a possible treason but he felt himself singularly alone and weak. "'Do you love me?' he murmured in the ear of the dog. She licked his cheek. "'Come, we will go away.' They departed, he in front this time, and when they were again in the little salon, she saw that he put back his linen and his slippers into the bag she knew so well. Respectful but despairing, she followed all his movements, and tears the color of gold trembled over her yellow eyes. He put his arm about her neck to reassure her. "'You shall go also. You shall not leave me any more. You might not be able the next time to tell me what remains to know. Perhaps I am mistaken. Perhaps I have not understood you. But you must not stay here. Your soul is not made for other secrets than mine.' And while the dog trembled, still uncertain, he took her head between his hands, saying very softly, Your soul, your dog's soul, your beautiful soul. End of The Soul of a Dog by Colette